and we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. This vlogcast started as a combination of spite and the Streisand effect because it's snowing up here in the Buffalo market today. It's it's it snowed. Yay. Whoopie ding. I want snow. It's soon, soon. Don't worry about it. I got some. Send, send it to it's, me. It's all good. Part of this is to follow through with the old adage, sometimes a journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm known as Shujin Tribble all over the place. S-H-U-J-I-N. You can find me pretty much under any social media under that. It's kind of hard to miss me. Hi. I'll use a laser sight next time. You try that. Let me go ahead and introduce you to uh, the crew. We got a, we've got one down at the moment. I'll, I'll explain in a second. Top left-hand corner, North America's bingo card, Calgary Way. Morning, Dallin. Good evening. <laughs> oh, that's right. Good evening. I forgot. Your clock um, is uh, out of power behind your uh, yeah, shoulder. Yeah, it's, um, it's in need of a battery change. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I noticed that last week, and I completely forgot to tease you about it. Well, hey, I look at it this way. Uh, with the time change that happened recently, it was one less one for me to have to deal with. <laughs> Point taken. South of me into uh, Pittsburgh, where it's uh, still cold and, and just uh, it's it's early. Good morning, Joey. And wet. Yeah. Tell me about it. To the right from there, outside of, wow, there's new people moving in this upcoming uh, week in two. Unrenote Tech, good morning. You know, I wonder if they're starting to think about reviving that whole better red than dead or better dead than red campaign that they did, except instead of referring to communists, referring to Republicans. Because oh. sure as in hell, a lot of people voted that way, <laughs> as if that slogan was in effect. Uh, yeah, uh, good morning to you too. I've got my flannel and my hot chocolate. I'm doing great. Democracy is non-negotiable. Yes, there's a, there's a thing about that I'll explain in a moment. And over the water, over into Paris, a little bit uh, a little bit different time for you at this point. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning. In Russia, democracy does you. I should be so lucky. Um, okay, so... I'm sorry, I'm not a bottom. The... <laughs> I, I, okay, I, look, if, uh, if that particular uh, individual named democracy... Um, I don't know. I hate to sound objectifying here, but depending on the look, I might bottom. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give you a two for right about now. Uh, democracy, if I remember right, is uh, Greek. So as far as bottoms are concerned, I've known you're an ass for a very long time. So you're welcome. Not to be confounded with that's a, that's a double. That's a double right there. We are two minutes in, and we've already flown completely off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. This has got to be a first. I blame there the were, hot chocolate, not enough marshmallows. There were rails. Oh, dude, uh, Tech, uh, you you've got the wrong additive for your hot chocolate. What he said that? Cointro. What is that? Quantro. Uh, Okay. Quantol. Quantol. Okay. I I I know I know I speak for everybody here when I say that's Greek to me. Second time I'm using the word Greek tonight. So yeah. At any rate, it is a uh, a somewhat less expensive version of Grand Marnier, and would turn that uh, lovely cup of hot chocolate into a liquid Terry's <laughs> chocolate orange. 
I uh, test- send me a link to the stuff, would you? Yeah, I, I tested a theory out uh, a couple of weeks ago on that stuff. And uh, needless to say, it was a resounding success. Um, and I just returned back from the United States there uh, a couple of weeks ago with two great big boxes. Well, uh, two six-puck packages of Abuelita chocolate. Like I said, uh, can you send me like uh, an informal yep. link to it or something later on? Or heck, we could put this one in the show notes. Recipe, atheist recipes. Ooh, there's a podcast I'd love to hear. Um, well, uh, recipes for the heathen front. See, uh, what we can do about that while they're doing that. Let me go to the Uh, okay, throwing it in open chat here. Yeah, you, you go ahead and do that. Bechamel baby sauce later. Later, I will say this I introduced my SO to Canadian maple syrup, and to say impressed was an understatement for that person. I'm they gonna take this moment had, uh, and be smug. They're like, they they hadn't even had New York's finest, so I just figured, you know what, I'm, I'm going for the top level. We're just gonna go and do the howitzer. And suddenly, I'm thinking of that paste pecani sauce commercial. This syrup's made in New York City. New, New York, York City. City. <laughs> See, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. You do it right. This yeah, one right here, exactly. Hmm? President's Choice Maple Syrup comes in its own hip flask. Glass hip flask. This is the stuff. No, dude, seriously, this is the stuff where uh, after I bought it, because I saw it on, on the shelf at the uh, uh, Throw that up there Superstore. Sure. Uh, let me get that over there for you. There you go. I actually tried it. I, I bought a bottle because I saw it at Real Canadian Superstore at St. Cats on the way home. And I said, okay, you know what? It's, it's it's 13 bucks Canadian. Okay, it's a little expensive, but okay, okay. I literally took a warmed up shot of this stuff on its own and sipped. I warmed it in the microwave, warmed slightly, and it was fracking delicious. I've never tasted anything like it before. And is it any, I mean, seriously, if, if ever you get the opportunity to try and like good stuff like this, oh, oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's available on Amazon. Yeah. 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 You might end up finding it for about uh, almost 50 bucks US, 30 bucks US. So you might want to be a little bit uh, careful about that. You mean 25? Okay, yeah, that that could be roughly seventeen ounces. Um, that's the glass bottle. Okay, uh, because uh, I don't know how many ounces it is, but it's uh, five hundred mil on the label. Uh, be that as it may. Yeah, that's a five hundred mil. Okay. So yeah, you'll end up playing. Yeah, see, uh, this is a, this is one double. of the light ones. I got her. A dark one. Okay. I wanted to go with something uh, a darker in color for the uh, experience. Okay. Well, now that we've completely bored everybody out of the first ten minutes of the show, you hi. I'm not bored. 
not you, the people that are listening. Hi. Yes, we're talking to you. Hi. How you doing? So, uh, Harry Dick Woman is not feeling real great, so she's decided to bow out tonight. Fine. Whatever. Uh, as far as, um, as far as, uh, Bridget is concerned, I don't know where she is right now. But, you know, for well, if she can make it, she will. And if she can't, she doesn't. So it's kind of the way it works. Try to take care of yourself. So for those of you that are you know, paying attention to us live right now, thank you very much, of course. Please take advantage of the live chat so we can uh, chat it up with you. I know for, for well, Stephanie's there. Hi. Orange cognac. We're not talking, we're not using the term orange anytime soon. There's no, reasons. No, no. Because <laughs> I don't want to get started on that. Why? Because we can't go one day without our country looking like a freaking horse's ass? Uh, you know what? You said it, and okay, yes, I have too, but that's not, not today. Not today. Anyway. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I've got to bring this up. Uh, we had protests in multiple states, multiple cities in multiple states, regarding uh, the president's choice to with, with this whole investigation and everything else. And there was a protester who had a sign up. And on the sign, it had one of the less flattering pictures of Donald Trump, where he's kind of got that weird overbite, grimace thing going on. He looks like a real, like somebody who dessert needs to wear a white helmet. Um, because he looks like he's about to bash his head against something because he's trying to think and failing miserably. And the words that were on there on that same sign said, does this ass make my country look uh, uh, small? Um, and I, I, I thought to myself, that that's a great sign. I love that sign. I want to find that person. I want to give them a very big hug. Considering your size, I don't think there's too many choices in size of hug that you could give. Well, I can give a regular hug and I can give bad hug. Mm. I was going to say bear hug, but um, I don't think that you're from L.A., personally speaking. So you're welcome. I'm from New York. We have, have grizzlies. Again, 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 this is another Greek joke. That's three in the day. And we haven't even started. So well, I never I, took Greek. It was all Greek to me. If that's the case, Eugene, you should have said San Francisco. I could have. I should have. But, of course, I don't know anything about that culture. That's Funny a that completely you different context of bear there. If, if we're if we're discussing that particular uh, vernacular, then yes, yeah, San Francisco. Okay. San Francisco is the general recognized one. Okay, so. I'll 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 keep that in mind for next time. Then you can thank you can thank the sixties and seventies for that. Yes, for those of you that are understanding the jokes, good on you. You're our type of people. Those of you that don't get it just yet, ask your parents. Trust me, they'll love explaining this stuff to you. Trust me. So let me go ahead and uh, get everything rolling over here because uh, we've had one interesting opening so far, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, because because there, there's stuff. Anyway, let me let me go ahead and let me go ahead and roll everything for you guys. So with five minutes on the clock, your uh, five minute freestyle starts right now. Facts is what I got. I'm uh, I'm getting really sick and tired of the the idea that people don't care about facts. Ide ideology ideology yes ideology trumps facts i know i know just 
go with me on this one for a second. It's just leave the bad connotation of the word Trump out of the equation for a second. I'm, I got, I, I was, I was earlier, I, I was kind of explaining uh, uh, a discussion that I was getting into on Facebook earlier. The, somebody who is very pro-military, very pro-Republican, very pro-Second Amendment, and apparently doesn't, uh, doesn't have anything to, and very hateful, and I may not be using hyperbole here, very antagonistic, uh, that, that I can get away with, towards all things Democrat and all things Ermagerd coming from my guns. Now, they were going to go ahead and forward a post with a video that had something to do with this. And part of the text that went along with it was somebody's quote that said that the AR-15 should not be in civilian hands. Now, I kind of discussed part of this with uh, with Joey a, a little bit before we went to air, and uh, we kind of got on that uh, sidetracked a little bit to, to the whole damn thing. So here's what happened. I went ahead and said, okay, look, I'm not even going to look at that video just yet. I want to discuss just that quote, because that's apparently a really important quote, because it was added secondarily to the video. So I went and I looked up the information about the AR-15. I wanted to know where it came from, why it came, what it was designed to replace, the pedigree of the whole damn thing, where its niche is, what its capabilities were, and what variants. And after going through all of that, I have come to the determination, based on the information that I have currently about its capability, the civilian marketed version versus the military marketed version, that the AR, the Amlite AR-15, not AR-15 type, the Amlite AR-15, which is functionally capability identical to the M16. My oh. opinion, sorry. Almost. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause a second. What what almost are you talking about? Uh some vital component differences in the trigger housing. Okay. Uh namely those that control rate of fire and Yes. Yes. Now I I have not restarted the timer, but um let me let me just say really quickly the capabilities of both weapons are functionally identical for what can be hit and at what distance and with what power. Well, that's ballistics. No. Yes. That's that's the capability of the weapon. Yes. We we agree on that part. Yes. Okay. I'm going to restart the counter here. Apologies. Func functionally, the two are identical. The major difference being how many rounds can be fired per squeeze. My opinion based on the information is that this is not the type of weapon a civilian should own. This is the type of weapon that is designed to hunt armored people at distance. 
to that end, my opinion is that, yes, the AR-15 and similar is not the type of weapon that should be in civilian hands and usage, especially not for, quote-unquote, home defense. Because this weapon will fire through a house and through a person for who only knows how far out of those 500 yards effective range it might end up going. Now, admittedly, these kinds of things, you know, there, there are a lot of factors into play. But going by the bare numbers, this looks to be far too dangerous downrange. It could conceivably fire through a car door or a front door, windows, thin walls that don't have brick to them. You get the idea. You miss, you've got another 490 yards that that bullet is going to travel. And I don't know what's 500 yards past where I am right now, other than just woods. But then again, I know full well that all I live with are woods. Tree had it coming. Here's the problem. I laid out all the facts. I laid out dry facts. And I laid out my opinion based on dry facts. And I even said... If you're going to go ahead and argue with my position, if you're going to go ahead and call me a libtard or whatever the current running ad hominem thing is, don't do that. Just tell me where my information is wrong. Tell me what the right information is. Tell me where you get your information from so I can evaluate it. And then I laid out my information and my specs and said, please just, if I'm wrong, correct me. Try to guess what I ended up with. The first thing out of the gate was, you Democrats are only looking to grab guns. I'm paraphrasing. This is not a military weapon. Brother, when you can shoot through a helmet at 500 yards, because that's what it's specced for, and you've still got a piece of metal that's got a lot of velocity after that, um, I'm sorry, but like I told the guys before, there's only one animal that I can think of that you would need that kind of power to hunt. And that's a bear. An adult bear with its skull. If you're hunting anything else with something like this, seriously, the only other viable option is either the human that you're pointing it at right now or the human that's past that point because you don't know how far that round is actually going to end up. And in some towns, 
that 500 yards is two city blocks. How many people could that possibly hit? How many kids? It's episode 235 on the docket, Your Honor. I, I have to I have to say it this way because it was the way it was going through my head as I was writing it. Shujin, wait, wait. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's just that before we get to today's topic, just on the topic of your five minute, I do want to say as a veteran, as a former AR-15 owner, and as a current gun owner, I actually agree with you. A civilian should not own an AR-15. I will say that by my interpretation of the Second Amendment, and I know others have similar interpretations, that a civilian is allowed to. However, I agree with you, and in an ideal circumstance, you're right. Civilians should not own one. As far as to um, what guns, quote-unquote, should be versus are versus how they should be, we've kind of covered part of that, and I've, I've made my stance on that out there before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been more than happy to talk about it another time. This, this is not going to be one of those times. That's sure. going to be something for... <laughs> A ways off because um, we've we've ended up talking uh, a lot about my country, and I really don't want to be doing that too often because, well, you guys know for well I don't want to make it about just the America because I mean, hey, everybody it talks. It's important that other countries know some of this stuff about us because France and Canada and Australia and so many countries have put out travel warnings to the people like, look. If you're black and you're heading to the United States, you might get shot. If you're Muslim and heading to the United States, you might get shot. Hey, there's high uh, counts of gun violence. There's been 300 plus what classified as uh, what classifies for as mass shootings in the last year in the United States in these kinds of areas. So if you're going into this area that's this kind, where where have you seen these warnings? Huh? Where have you seen these warnings? International travel warnings. They pop up. Uh, different countries have them. Of course. You, you have to one... go to their travel sites, and you'll see the warnings. Of course, the one from Australia, it's actually a, uh, it's actually listed under benefits. They're planning on bringing spiders over. Life expectancy goes up. When you go to Australia? No, when you're coming from Australia. You've seen the spiders they have there. I, I don't blame them for wanting to come here. You know, we're we're yeah, we're no. Australia no, is the only country. The Australia is the only country where I say an M1 flamethrower should be legal to own. <laughs> well, where there are orb spiders, yeah, that we'll we'll later. Funnel funnel web, very different. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, I take them all out. Take here's the funny part. Well, here's the sad part. The thing is, is that these warnings are not. Um, to me, they're they're not something where oh, it's an overreaction. Because if you look at the United States from outside point of view, in countries where maybe they have 
more gun control or high restrictions on firearms. Like, you know, if you're coming from Japan and come to the US or you're in Australia where there's no guns are allowed and you come to the US and now you see everybody, you, you, you go into an area where maybe they have open carry or, um, you know, you, you, you've gone into an area where there's a lot of, pro, you know, card carrying members of the NRA. It can be kind of creepy from that perspective. And oh, then you yeah. watch the news of all these shootings and you're surrounded by these people with guns. Yeah, you might reconsider your travel plans. And I wouldn't blame a one of them. I really wouldn't. Nope. Especially considering uh, I actually looked it up. Here in the U.S., we have had eight eight mass shootings with double-digit um, injuries and or deaths this year. So, yeah, that's 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 a whole other thing. We're I getting... I yeah, apologize first. I, I was just going to say I apologize for sidetracking us there for for a moment, but it was just something I felt I had to say. I mean, we've discussed my AR-15, why I got it, and why I got rid of it. So, uh, yeah, but yeah. we we also know for well, you're a vet. You know how these things operate and how to operate them, and you've got you have a much more uh, a a much more vested opinion. I, I, informed opinion sorry than what i do that and i had very different reasons for getting it compared to say the gentleman you were speaking with i i would assume yeah i'm, I'm pretty sure but that's me an ar-15 in the hands of military is like putting a scalpel in a surgeon's hand <clears throat> it's also the same as putting a scalpel in a child's hand when you give it to a civilian you clearly overestimate the the marksmanship of many 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 service members um probably i mean my grandfather was a marksman as, so as my grandmother as to the ranting griffin once said this is america we're like uh we're like toddlers with an rpg and a crack habit yeah you know Nite I, nintendo no i can't blame nintendo i no. have not shot anybody no, if you're going to blame anything, blame Doom, but that's a whole other thing for later. <laughs> so I blame that damn dog. 235 on the docket, Your Honor. And like I said, the only way I can say it is the same way that was running through my head when I was writing up the title. Poppies. Poppies will make them sleepy. I'm sorry. I Dear help. God. I know, I know. But as soon as I wrote it, that was what was going through my head. And it was just like, ah, uh, uh, fine. You know what? Fine. You're welcome. Look at the bright side. It's not the great and the great and powerful Oz, you know, with uh, DeFranco. So don't even worry about it. Down, don't you even try to fix that. That's not gonna. That's, it's not gonna be able to do that. You're not gonna be able to do anything with that. Fix it. Know. I'm considering amping that bitch up. More echo. <laughs> Remember that for later. That's all I gotta do is just turn the. I just gotta turn the knob all the way up. I only went to about. Uh, uh, I think I only went to about the six point. But yeah, but that was about six. This this one goes to eleven. Yeah, well, if I wanted to go ahead to eleven, I could just talk. Do you remember Eddie? 
Do you remember when I dropped the piano on your brother? I talked just like this. I'm not gonna do that. No. I'm not gonna. I was gonna say you're not. You're not squeezing your junk nearly yeah, enough. Yeah, the no, if no. you need. Yeah, I'm not. So speaking of um, eleven, yes. Speaking of eleven, yes. It is the it, currently here. Um, uh, UTC and uh, now on the Eastern Seaboard of uh, the Americas. It is the eleventh day of the eleventh month. It is what is otherwise known as Armistice Day. For some, it's remembrance. For some, it's veterans. It all comes as the. Oh shit! It's going to be one of those nights. Okay. Um, well, there's 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 a couple of reasons why. Um, it is marking the end of World War One. The war to end all wars. And it didn't. Not by a long shot. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, you guys know for well, I, I try really, really, really hard most of the time to be able to keep myself and compose myself and, and conduct myself. And um, Why are you getting worked up? Not too long ago, I watched um, a clip from the TV series MASH. And what had happened was that uh, throughout the throughout the episode, Colonel Potter was um, very irritable, uh, very unhappy, and everybody in the camp thought there was something wrong with him. So he finally brought all the uh, senior officers over to his tent, and he was wearing his old cavalry First World War uniform. Didn't exactly fit the way that it used to in his youth, but whatever. It's, you know, it's 40 years later. What are you going to do? He had gotten word that the last of the five friends that he was part of um, had died in, uh, in Japan, I believe it was. And he was the last of uh, the five friends who had holed up in a, uh, a farmhouse, I believe it was, in France. And they found a whole bunch of uh, beautiful booze. Uh, I forget exactly what it was. And when they got to the last bottle, they basically said, okay, look, we'll, uh, we'll just not drink this last bottle. And we'll just save it and... Whichever of us is the last. I think Which it was Chateau Cheval Blanc. It it might have been. Okay, but he was there. He was at World War One. He was. Yeah, so he had a good reason to get worked up. But he he um he was Colonel Potter was the last of his five friends. And. He shared a drink with the senior staff and then toasted his new friends. And what's got me worked up about it is realizing that the setting for MASH was the Korean War. So this was the mid-50s. 
he had spent upwards of 40 years where this uh, this one bottle and his friends were out there and he was marking the end of a group of friends and was specifically lamenting the fact that the first one should have been by rights by by need by hope the war to end all wars or at the very least all world wars and we know full well it wasn't even close and what hurts to me is that it was an immense loss of life for the first world war including uh, unfortunately uh a lot of animals uh, cavalry because i mean they you know the horses didn't know any better they were just out there doing what they were told to do and then years later we have world war ii with new horrors inflicted on humanity in the form of poison gases and machine guns and tanks and flamethrowers and v1 bombs and genocide and human testing experimentation years later we end up with as as joey likes to point out you know crunchy uh crunchy gasoline the agent orange and cold wars and walls and demilitarized zones and people trying to escape from one side to another shot dead on barbed wire fencings world war for me world war one well there's two world wars i mean they're so massive and complex um it goes beyond it, it it it's even hard to talk about i mean it's not it's beyond the scale of the individual human it's just it's we refer to them as world wars not because the entirety of the world was at war but because of the effect that it had on the entirety of the world for example uh argentina never fired a shot at germany but if it weren't for argentina providing uh food and material to the people of Britain, Britain wouldn't have survived the war. Actually, I have a couple of articles related, or not related, but of a similar vein that I pulled up in advance of the show. But um, one thing, if I remember correctly, I believe World War I was the war that chemical weaponry, yeah. mustard gas, ran rampant. With, with, uh, with reference to uh, Shujin's statement earlier, honestly, with the exception of the V1 bomb, all those things were present in World War One. Yeah, yeah. Um, then there was the... Um, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not entirely up on my military history, but did that not spawn the Geneva Convention? I believe so. Which was basically saying, guess what, guys? We have discovered weapons that we use on each other, that are too evil. Now, 
when you think about modern warfare <clears throat> and what it's turned into these days, um, war is no longer a gentleman's game. No. Um, now, that's that's not to say that it was before, but if you look at, you know, the, the like medieval battles, there was a sense of, you know, yes, I'm going to war with this place, but there is a sense of decorum. There is a sense of honor rules uh, yeah um which which to me kind of conflicts with the whole idea of war which is you know let's face it war is hell no it is the hell is hell no no just follow me on this tech Smash. I it is it is the absence of reason of decency of, of anything that makes us as humanity um, that which is greater than the sum of our parts. War is an expression of our basest instinct to fear and destroy that which is different, to protect or, or to strike out in the name of our respective tribes. Gil, yeah, but I have to I have to stop you there because, like, you know, it's like religion where um you're going to have to separate that into two levels. You've got people who start the wars and then you've got the people that are fighting in, that are fighting yes, in them. You're right. You're right. And the people who start the wars, well, they start them for reasons completely different than what they tell their people. Mm -hmm. And as far as the people in the war is concerned, um, I think they're more concerned about their immediate surroundings, about their brothers and arms and, you know, um, mm -hmm. getting the fuck out of this, whatever situation they were put in by those who make the decisions um no oh, you're right you're, you're right a lot. it's hard to generalize for that kind of thing yeah but and i mean if we're going to talk about it within into any constructive end i really think we have to analyze it you have to talk about it you know about yeah. who did what but i i just despite that the the weapons that are at the soldier's disposal you know they they are designed to inflict pain, harm, intimidation, fear. Um, whether you're a soldier just claiming you're following orders as you are torching places or killing people, or whether you are a general, you know, who fights the war behind the lines to borrow a song lyric. Um, in my opinion, the act of war does not bring out the best in humanity as now that's, that's a very, I know it it's is a the very mother broad, of all understatement. Well, no, I, I now strike that because we have, I've, I've also heard stories of soldiers protecting families, um, sheltering them from what would otherwise be, you know, a senseless execution or something. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, Shish. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's okay. Um, the, the Two things, and, and partly to kind of dovetail off of that. Uh, Stephanie was also saying, uh, by the way, sorry, Dallin, the rules of war did not apply anywhere at any time. Chivalry was for the rich chevalier only. And I, I sincerely hope my pronunciation is accurate because I'm just reading it off the top of my head. Um, no, I have no lessons to give there. <laughs> chevalier, I believe. Chevalier, uh, I could... Um, I could I could cavalier the, would be yeah cavalier would be i think the better the uh, the translation okay okay um, 
all right. The, what I was what I was going to say was, um, as far as to the um, the rules of war, where there are certain things you did not do. There's one example that uh, that I can say that there once upon a time, and I believe as uh, I, I can go back to World War II on this one in particular. You did not fire upon the Red Cross. If there was a group with a with a banner with a Red Cross on it, where they were going out into the field to retrieve people who were wounded, mm-hmm. it was an unwritten rule. You did not fire on them because they're medics, they're non-combatants. You just you just did not. Period. You just end of story. You just didn't do it. Why? There there are other soldiers. N- no. They're they're doctors. They're corpsmen. They're not shooting. They're non-combatants. You leave them the hell alone because we don't want them shooting our doctors and non-combatants well, for exactly the same reason. And then there's also the um, the concept of neutrality on the part of nations during the, the big conflicts. Switzerland was considered um, neutral during World War II because it does not border on water. Therefore, it is, it is an enclosed country. I'm not entirely sure of the of the uh, reasoning behind it. However, the country of Sweden was also deemed neutral by conventions of war in World War II. Now, some information that came to light in the 1980s um, may have shown them saying, yes, we're neutral, but that doesn't mean we like you. Uh, and this was one of the documents I pulled up uh, prior to coming here. Um, refugees from Norway well, that was occupied by the Germans uh, from 1940 to 1945. Um, many of them found themselves in Sweden. And the Germans were under the impression that uh, they were there for police training so that these people would come back and be local constables for certain towns and cities uh, to keep the jackboots protected. That was not the case. Sweden was arming and training the underground resistance to go back into Norway and be an absolute thorn in the side of the occupying Nazi uh, forces. And, uh, and this is why I get a little worked up, Joseph. So you please forgive me. No, no, um, no, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just asking why, what's your personal, uh, precisely, precisely pr- yeah. personal. I am one step away. I am one degree of separation from world war two. My father was one of those people who fought. And over the years I watched If he had some kind of PTSD, he never really showed it. But I learned more about the war stories that he was involved in after he died because he told it to the rest of his family, like to my other siblings. But when it came to me, I never really heard um, some of the more gruesome details until afterwards. And, uh, yeah, um, 
it's really interesting these days when you see people throwing that N word around as freely as they throw other insults. And I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm going to take my one here. Um, you're going to use that word. Trust me. You have no fucking clue what a real one looks like because you've not seen one. If you had seen one, chances are you would be curled up in the fetal position in the corner of the room, crying your eyes out for the rest of your life, begging for some kind of drug to take the pain away. In my case, yeah. in my case, my, uh, my grandfather mm -hmm. on my mother's side was, uh, U.S. Navy Pacific Supply Fleet. Uh, the only uh, the only ship that I remember he was on was uh, the I forget if it was the U.S. USS Bear. So uh, he never he never talked about his time in the military at all. I have no idea what uh, what kind of firefighting uh, yeah, or anything. But yeah, I didn't hear much of the details and. Nobody in my family's told me much. It just, you know, how he got into it. I didn't know until actually the, the day of his funeral. I was told that um, when they came to his town, I guess the, the head of the Gestapo uh, publicly beat him. And he was underage at the time. So uh, just give me a second here. Okay, so 1940 is when they came. Uh, seems 45 when he had me 71. Sorry. I, I, I'm trying to get some context here. Dean listed, but from what I was told, he lied about his age and got into the underground. Now the Norwegian military officially, um, Norway officially surrendered two months after the invasion. And apparently they lasted the longest out of any uh, holdout nation that tried to oppose them. They lasted two months. That gives you an idea of just exactly how powerful the, the Nazi war machine was back then. Um, my dad told me stories of the Battle of Narvik, uh, a harbor town. Um, I think that's where the Bismarck came out of. Um, right before, yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah, by the way, um, uh, Norwegian spotters uh, helped with the uh, sinking of that particular boat. So uh, claims to fame, whatever. Um, but needless to say, um, yeah, after two months they surrendered and that's when the underground took over and they just, they started just pissing off the Germans and they kept pissing them off right up to 1945 when they, when they uh, left. Yeah. There's a piece of this that, uh, Stephanie has got me at and uh, letting me know that uh, sorry, Shujin, that is more mythology. The you know, thou shalt not fire on the Red Cross night. Uh, I wanted to ask because, uh, you know, one way or another, uh, it may not be completely accurate to it all, but I figured I'd ask Joey, um, best of your recollection from your training, do you recall if there was ever any an official thou shalt not fire on you know? medical red cross kind of folks you know I, I believe what stephanie is approaching is not 
the sort of war that you would have experienced, say, in World War One or World War Two, but rather the quote-unquote modern war or total warfare that we currently experience, uh, where if there is a wounded man, the shooter will wait until the medic comes out and then shoot the medic and then shoot whoever comes to help the medic and then shoot whoever comes to help that guy and so on and so forth. Like I said before, war does not bring out the, the best of humanity. No. And that's, that's why I'm asking. I mean, uh, was there, was, was there ever a, a thing that said you, you are not to, or for, for us? Yes. Um, in particular, I, a red cross or a red crescent. Mm-hmm. And this was basically rule of engagement as far as was concerned for you guys. Yes. Yeah, um, and as far as to uh, as far as to uh, the age of gentleman, uh, uh, gentleman soldier, the only thing that uh, that really comes to mind for me was um, the World War One of flying aces, where you went up there, and if you were extremely lucky, you had a you had a you had a machine gun on the front of your canopy and it didn't shoot out your propeller. Uh, yeah. You had a good timing chain at that yeah. point. Um, yeah. That's a whole other thing, but funny. Uh, um, Manfred von Richthofen. Yeah. Uh, yes. The Red Baron. Uh, yes. Better known as Red Baron. Uh, famous for, not only his efficiency in a fighter aircraft, but also his uh, decorum. Uh, there was a point at which he forced a uh, British plane to land. And he had uh, <clears throat> he had decided to land alongside them. Now, they landed even though their engine was destroyed. Um, he attempted to land and uh, flipped his plane. <laughs> Which I'm sure his brother gave him no end of grief about. Yes, I, he had a brother, by the way. I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to bet that uh, uh, even, with a, even with a burned-on engine, something like that would be tough to do. After which, he dismounted and approached the two... Englishman who had been in their plane and they had a rather civil discussion before parting ways. Now, was this, when, a, uh, was this a, a white furred and a yellow feathered uh, couple or am I thinking of the wrong group? I'm not, not off the top of my head, but um, when uh, Manfred von Richthofen was uh, was eventually killed. Uh, it was over enemy lines. He was recovered by French and British forces, who then buried him with full military honors. Uh, 
And even after the people, uh, I can't, uh, I want to say Vidar Bokosh, uh, they had desecrated the grave on numerous occasions until the commander of that particular area said, cut that shit out. You know, it's funny that the, to, oh, sorry. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to note that the acts, all these stories of chivalry and, um, you know, empathy and all that, it, it comes down to the, the individual at the individual level, you know, yeah. at the soldier scale of things. But these motherfuckers organizing the wars, um, you know, imagine if they had morals, you know, it, they have to have a complete... Uh, what I'm saying is there's... Um, yeah, on the soldier level, there's there's empathy. There's all the human emotions that we can share, and these are the stories that make it out of the war to us. But at the top of the level that we never hear about, I mean, you know, in order to organize that kind of death and pain and destruction on like hundreds of thousands, even millions of humans, it involves dehumanization. Yeah, a total lack of morals. Yeah, there is a um, there's a decided. There would be decidedly a different take on overall warfare if those that were the ones making the ultimate decisions, the highest level decisions, had skin in the game, as the expression goes. If they had if they had real pain that they would have to endure, I could I could guarantee things would go surprisingly differently by comparison. Yeah, I think there's something uh, uh, that goes along the lines of there'd be a lot less wars if those who were quick to start them were the first in line. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, there's the, something along that line. Well, now, that's that's these guys are like they're completely in there you know it's, it's again society on two different levels you've got the uh you've got the people in the upper um part of it you know they're they're in the little bubble and like yeah well we down here would like to give them a wake-up call from time to time uh, i mean if the world never comes if they're at their command center making sending people out to war and all that they 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 don't have to <laughs> And, and for people who say, oh, you know, the leaders aren't in a bubble. It's such and such country that's causing the problem or such and such group that's causing the problem. It's like, if you don't believe that world leaders are in a bubble, then go on Twitter and see what Donald Trump had to say about the California fires. Oh, God, I saw that earlier tonight and I was just. And, and now think about this for a moment. He's schmoozing up with Kim Jong-un and Putin and other people who are notorious for causing conflict and dividing people rather than unifying them, which historically has bowed horribly for populations in general, usually leading to conflict, downright wars, that sort of thing. And tell me that they're not in a bubble. I would like to see Donald Trump flip burgers for one day. 
There, you know, there there are a lot of people. You that... stand there and blame the flip, or the uh, uh, the utensils and the grill and the burger patties themselves, and the people who provided the the patties and and management and and the company's policies and and the customers. He would never flip a single patty, dude. No, and you wouldn't uh, get that. To to that end, there are a lot of people that we would really like to see have more diversified scope. I, I'm maybe I'm I'm stumbling a little bit over my terminology, but I I hope I'm kind of getting the point across. Yeah, what does I that mean, mean diver diversified scope? Okay, the whole by example, the whole reason why I have. The collection of people on here is not just because some folks have asked, but because we all have very different backgrounds, expectations, perceptions, and understandings of many different topics. As no matter what the topic is, we all see things from a from a very different way. Uh, in your particular, jo Joseph, you. We're Canadian. You you are Still Canadian, am. right? But your primary residence is in Europe. So you have you have the perspective of having been brought up with the culture of uh, of Ontario. Yeah, but and I have no idea what somebody from Europe thinks like. I only know my own mind. But I can say that it influences me. Sure. Yes. Exactly. Now. Do you know all of what goes on across Europe? Of course not, no. But you have what you see around you, the news, the people that you interact with, how coffee prices are this week. You know, you, you get the idea. But, I mean, you, you have information across both continents and for both cultures that are quite a bit different from each other. Well, it gives a wider perspective, if that's what you're saying. Exactly. Joseph, you've you've got that. Joey was a vet. He's still young. Uh, He's been dead. He got better. Uh Unreno Tech has worked in the tech industry. He's from New York, Jersey. But this is this is exactly why I ask people to elaborate, you know. Oh, I'm not from Jersey. About um Shut well, up. that's what all that's what that's what all people from Jersey say. Um, oh, and with good reason. <laughs> Just because I have traveled through Jersey does not mean that I became one of them. Again, details, details, details. But, but, but the point, the point, the point that I'm trying to get to though is that if these people who were twenty plus years in government got the hell out and actually were not wearing tailored suits. And, and got out in and saw what it was like for everybody else, you know, out in the suburbs and just trying to make things, they would have a very different opinion as to what everything is around them. That's what, that's what a bubble is though, because these guys, you know, they don't have to, they've got, you know, their environment set up in a way that, uh, you know, they don't, they're taken care of. So, you know, they don't they don't even feel the motivation to. Yeah. Now, let me let me explain one of the reasons why this uh, they might this... not even be able to even conceive 
of going outside of their bubble. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. You just, I'm sorry. You, you, you nailed this one straight on the head. I forget who the gentleman was, but there was a spy from Britain who went to France ahead of the invasion of Germany, World War II, intentionally got himself caught so that he could infiltrate in and see what was going on with these camps, these prisoner camps, and helped to organize resistance in there, got the information about the extermination camps, like Auschwitz, which was only one of who only knows how the hell many. I don't remember. But he found out. And he brought these hellacious numbers with him as he got smuggled out of the country back to Great Britain, who took his information and said, no, that's not possible. They wouldn't be doing that. No, you're, 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 you're crazy. That's, that's absolutely impossible. When he was reporting on the millions of people being killed by the Germans. And he was absolutely right. And they simply could not conceive the, that this guy's information was accurate. Simply could not conceive of it because it was so beyond the pale. And this was a guy that was intentionally sent in for the job of coming back with this information. And fortunately, he did. And it was so horrific, nobody nobody would believe him. And that's the thing about warfare that hurts the most. And we find out time and time and time again that the imagination of humanity to inflict more hurt on the humanity is sometimes horrifically bottomless. Yeah. If I may. Be my guest. Speaking from a, from a perspective that more than just, you know, a veteran or so could, uh, could comment on, I would say it's safe to say that at some point, the majority, at least of this panel has seen the film Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. There is a part early in the film after they have deployed the Bangalore mines and blown away the obstructions leading up from the beach where a couple of American soldiers are approached by two German soldiers who have their hands raised and are shouting and are summarily gunned down. Those soldiers were not speaking German. They were speaking Czech. They were Ostruppen or East troops from occupied Czechoslovakia that had been pressed into service with the German army. Roughly what the, the translation of what they were saying was 
I'm Czech. I never killed anybody. But they didn't have anybody that spoke Czech, so they had no way of knowing. Just saying that atrocity is synonymous with warfare, regardless of what side you're on. Mm -hmm. True. Now, there is a a similar story to that of uh, von Richthofen that comes from World War II, which a lot of people do not consider um, World War One and a half. Well, th they don't consider it to be as quote unquote mannered as World War One. That is to say, individuals who are following the old conventions of warfare, the romantic conventions of warfare, the gentlemanly ones, shall we yes. say? However, there is one individual that I would like to bring up. Oberleutnant Franz Stigler. Have you ever heard that name before? It doesn't um, ring a bell for me. It does it's, ring a bell. It's familiar, but I can't, I can't remember. Franz Stigler was a German fighter pilot in World War II. On, on December 20th, 1943, he observed a American bomber, a B-17 by the, by the nickname Ye Old Pub, piloted by one Charles Brown. Oh, I think I remember this one now. Returning from a, uh, a bombing raid, it had lost two of its engines. The nose of the plane had been blown completely off. Several of the crew were dead or heavily injured. And of its, its I can't remember the exact number, I want to say 12 or so machine guns, only two were operational. The only reason why this bomber had managed to escape the initial group of fighters that had been tailing it was because the oxygen... Uh, reserve on board had been hit and the crew passed out and the only reason why uh, they started spinning down toward the ground so they assumed it was a dead plane the only reason why they were able to pull out of it was because uh, Captain Brown managed to regain consciousness early enough to be able to pull up Stigler saw the plane uh, proceeding toward Britain from a different uh, airfield and took off. He was a few points away from earning a Knight's Cross. And a bomber, which I believe counted as three points at the time, would have earned him a Knight's Cross. When he pulled up alongside the plane and observed the tail gunner hunched over the tail gunner's body hunched over his machine guns and observed the state of the plane the only thing that came to his mind was uh his commanding officer's words 
his commanding officer who had also served in World War One. And the words were something similar to the case of, if I ever see you shoot a man in a parachute, I will shoot you myself. To Stigler, that was not a bomber. That was a parachute. He tried to force the plane down uh, to land within German lines to allow the uh, crew to serve the remainder of the war as POWs. They would not. He tried to redirect them to uh, Sweden. They would not. And so, flying just hundreds of meters in the air, he flew in formation with the, uh, with the bomber all the way to the, uh, to the channel so that German guns would not fire on it because he was in formation with it. And then allowed the bomber to continue on its way and return to base. There are there are stories where humanity still ekes out a living even in the middle of warfare, man. Um, but it always does. In yeah. every occasion. And again, um I, I don't want to like this is um I always see the same thing repeating. I mean like at every you know, out of war, out of you know, every story we tell is has to do with our dealing with other humans. It's also it's always you know this is what strikes us most. This is what we we empathize empathize yeah. with. But when we talk about things like world wars and things like that, I'd like to see the conversation less about that. We have that already. That's ours. That empathy, and talk more about you know um, who starts the wars. I mean, it's almost like distracting from that. Well, there are those. Oh, go ahead. No, it, well, um, oh, lost my thought now. Oh, uh, wait. No. <laughs> no, but um, it's like we we have to think about the bigger picture mm -hmm. as individuals. We have to think about the bigger picture, and very few are. I mean, because I mean, just like look at the 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 elections just now, like. Are we learning anything from history? No, we're just still thinking about our immediate surroundings. And mm -hmm. and that's exactly why even the, the, the midterms didn't turn out as well as we, you know, nobody's learning anything from, not only are they not thinking about the bigger picture, they're not learning a thing from history. Well, that, that part I don't know is necessarily entirely accurate. I don't know that it's entirely wrong either. As individuals, um, maybe we learned from history, but the guys upstairs, well, whatever. We're not questioning them. That's that's basically what it comes down to. We well, should put them in face of history. We should hold them accountable. Well, there is there is one thing that's kind of come out. Um, the midterms right now, we have seen uh, a number of races that were otherwise seemingly done only to find out, hey, you know what? Uh, we've still got we've still got stuff that we have to count by hand yet. So race isn't over just yet. Fat lady hadn't sung yet. Only to find out that oh, 
Well, this was going to be going to uh, a Republican, and they were up by several thousand votes, and well, now it's swung all the way the other way. And the reason why I'm kind of using this is that one of the things that ended up coming up was the presidential election, the federal elections here in the U.S. in 2000, where Florida was the big problem child with the recount having to go on and the... You're, you're talking about something completely different. From no, no, no. Point. Hold, no hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I think I am still on point for it, so hold on a second. Back at that time, the, the infamous term was the hanging chad. I'm bringing that up so that people kind of remember the, the reference to it all in the, the because that was a big famous piece of it all. And that all came down to finally a a court case to finally decide who ended up being president of the United States by declaring, okay, this is the winner by court case, not by the number of votes. Fast forward to this this past week's uh, elections, we now have votes that are, some have said, okay, it's done, but then other groups are saying, well, now wait a second, we haven't finished counting everything yet. Let's not have what happened in Florida in 2000 happen again here. Let's make sure that we actually have every vote counted. And make sure that every stone is turned and every closet and checked and every box is actually gone through and collated and everything is right. There are people, there are groups who have actually learned from that mistake, that debacle at the turn of the century and have said, let's not let that happen again. But apparently Florida hasn't. Uh, but my point was about was about uh questioning authority i mean there's not like with the less than 50 percent voter turnout um there's not much outrage out there admittedly yes that is a perennial problem that seems to be getting a little bit better the turnout this year was not 50 percent, but at the same point it was wait I don't remember how much, how, uh, I don't remember the number of overall turnout. I'm just remembering that the younger, uh, the younger voter turnout was still under 50%, but it was uh, 10 points higher than the previous, something like that. It, it was, it was a significant jump, my point. But yeah, here in the US, there, there is the problem of exactly that. And you're right, there is not nearly enough outrage for people to actually go out there and, and do their thing. But but the problem is we've got that whole, well, you can't force me to do because you're interfering with my First Amendment right, which says that I have my, I can use my voice or not, and you're not allowed to force me to say something, which is... And, uh, and I met somebody like that. Yeah. I, I met somebody right the, the, the day of elections, after I had already gone to vote, I had stopped for fuel, person saw the, the I voted sicker, I said, yeah, I don't vote. 
And I said, are you not allowed to vote? Like, no, I don't vote because I want my voice to be heard. I said, when you don't vote, you're not sending a message and you're not using your voice. Well, yeah, I am because I'm not voting. Therefore, they, it's one less vote. And if they want me to vote, they're, they're going to do better. No, no, no it's, that's not how it works. What happens is when you don't vote, you don't exist to them. Yeah, they don't care. Because not voting for them is as good as you not voting for their opponent. They may not get your vote, but they've got the supporters they know will vote for them. So you're potentially one less opposition to them. And if you, you know, if you don't like any of the candidates, write in your own candidates, people you think would be good. Nominate somebody. <laughs> you get the option to do that. You know, uh, there there was there was one. That but it was, was like listed. talking to a brick wall. Yeah, there was there was one that was listed on on my ballot where only one person was up for uh, a particular post, and little one came in with me because I I waited until you know he was free from everything for the day and we did it together. We still miss the mechanical machines, but anyway, and you know, we're discussing how this stuff works on the ballot, and he's just like, "Well, there's only one person." I'm like, "Yeah, sometimes it happens." And he's like, "Well, why don't you write yourself in?" I thought about that, and I was like, "You know what? My actual legal name does not fit in that box." I think, and he actually, and he, and, and he actually looked at me with this, but. If your write is small enough, it would, right? Dude, you've seen how I write. All right, yeah, there's that. So it's a story about missing his point. <laughs> I think the point that Joseph was trying to get at was, you know, to, to quote Pindar, and I am not going to attempt the Greek, I'm sorry. But it's all Greek to me. War is sweet to those who have no experience of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like playing like a kid playing toy soldiers. Probably. Well, a good example would be, you know, everybody blames Hitler for World War II. Uh, but here's something you need to keep in mind. Even if Hitler had never come to power, do you realize how many uh, German politicians of the time could have just as easily become the next Hitler? He was put into power because he was saying, quote unquote, the right things. He had the charisma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, 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 they actually wanted to use him. The, um, the, the, the leftovers from World War I wanted to use him to, to get back into a position where they could, uh, you know, rise again. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. No, but the, no, but the guys who originally wanted to use them ended up getting bumped off. After the, uh, the true, the, true, the, the rice tag fire. Um, everybody using each other. So it's a little more complex than uh, Hitler bad. Yeah, that, that that's the thing though, is just that there are there are such a large number of individuals who could have just as easily filled his shoes, and we like to demonize Hitler and make him a monster because. Well, he was. Indeed, he was. But that's the thing. We like we we prefer to look at him that way rather than as a human being, because then that would be us admitting that 
any human could have done it. And let's face it, they could have. It's mm -hmm. we we can't we have, we can't even begin to to look at like everything that led up to to whatever he did. But uh, you know, all we can do is uh, they, look at what he did and then it, make conclusions from that. I mean, there know. there have been several times where I've heard World War II referred to as the inevitable war. How, oh, ooh, I'd I'd like to hear more about that. Simply well, be, simply because of the situation that was created by the end of World War One and the Treaty of Versailles. Well, yeah, because you know, um, yeah. Um, but it's still, yeah, I understand how, you know, Germany was humiliated, really. Um, and they were still paying their debt. Uh, it's the Treaty of Versailles, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the, 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 the debt would have gone beyond one generation after the war. I mean, they, they're basically everybody who's in the war, their children would be paying the German debt. So, you know, it's one thing to defeat your enemy, and it's another thing to, uh, well, strip them, tar and feather them, you know. Yeah, and it, it, it goes even you, beyond you tend the... To, if, if the punishment isn't appropriate, well, the criminal tends to forget about their crime and think more about the punishment. Yeah. It's a lot, there's a lot of different angles to this, but anyways. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it even goes beyond the, uh, the political and the economic. I mean, paying... Uh, paying restitution, okay. Getting forced back into your own borders again, okay. Being humiliated on the world stage that you were beat by all these other groups in this giant barroom brawl that was World War One, okay. Hyperinflation happening, okay. Leave that all on its own platter for a second. You've still got the civil problem, mm -hmm. the societal problem. We're, and, not, and not to mention the international problem as a whole, because what did the League of Nations do? More or less set up the same kind of uh, no-win situation that the original European League had set up prior to World War One. And society, like like I said, the Jews were the ones who made everything bad because that's what was oh, the no. prevalent thing. Or it was the gypsies, or it was the League of Nations putting them down. Or no. it, it was <laughs> Joe, Joe, don't overreact. He's just saying what was commonly said back then, yes. yeah, not I, I what know, was true. Okay, but you have to make that clear. Well, I was, I was, I was, I was trying to get to that. That all of these, all of these things were the prevalent, the the prevalent at the time attitudes, incorrect that they were, but popular enough to make society distrust one another and hate Why onto they... one group or other. Uh, yeah, the, and now we're getting into an entire another dynamic um, survived by imitation society. You've got one level of the population who are who rely on their authority figures for fucking survival. They'll believe anything they say. I mean, this this kind of thing requires that mentality. It can't exist without it. I mean, who who what rational person wants the shit of somebody else in another country? Yeah, and you, you, it comes from two 
two different standpoints as well. I mean, on the one hand, you have what you could refer to as the puppet masters. And then you have societal expectations. So let's, you know, let's not forget Horace here. Dulce decorum est pro patria mori. Which translates as well in Horace's in in love of intended, yeah well yeah in in Horace's uh, intended message, uh, it is a sweet and honorable thing to die for one's country. I think I would much prefer uh, Captain Picard's. If the reason be just. They are willing to lay down their lives. And in both of those, <laughs> you have to, you, yeah, if the reason be just, you'd have to define just, and uh, you'd also have to define country. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the last time where we can say that there was a, a very straightforward just, World War II. Jewish Holocaust. I think that is arguably the last time that we can say as a whole, as, as a species, yeah, that was wrong. That was simply absolutely wrong. And that needed to be stopped by any means necessary. Though, that, though you know, there, there are those who would say that it had little to do with it in comparison to any other number of uh, reasons. I mean, there are those who still say, you know, uh, you know, Britain was like, thank God for Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see the Jewish question addressed more. And, uh, you know, in all the discussions I hear about it, I mean, you have to look at the situation, any situation, you have to look at it completely to understand it. You know, Hitler, what did he want? He wanted, um, you know, total domination. He wanted a non-critically thinking population. And basically his camps were filled with people who were non-conformists, people who questioned. And the Jewish religion is one of the few, um, at least in recent history, I think post-conformism, um, post uh that's not the word uh post um there was kind of an enlightenment in the uh the the 19th century jewish uh when the religion anyways um where people became less orthodox but anyways um the jewish people were one of few who did not condemn critically think critical thought like uh Christian-dominated nations did, and other totalitarian states did. So anyways, um, that's why they were hated. So the leaders hated them for that reason, reason because um, they questioned the system and they wouldn't conform. So they were put in the camps with the rest, with the gypsies and, you know, even the gays, another form of nonconformist. Well, and, that was... But we, it, never, we never look at it through that context. We, we always say, well, they hated the Jews. Hating Jews is bad. But, you know, um, th that doesn't teach us anything. Okay. Um, it's bad. It's obviously unequivocally. Of course it's bad. Oh, but, yes. I mean, it, it, it deserves more. <laughs> it deserves more examination. It deserves more, 
Like, why them? Yeah. Um, and uh, Stephanie was uh, just uh, saying, uh, people did not know about the Holocaust until the camps were overrun. Uh, I disagree. I need uh, the the British spy that I was referring to. I need to find uh, his... The largest part of the population did not know. And it was made, it was purposely put that way, just, just not to bother people who are conforming. Uh, and uh, wasn't it, was it MacArthur who, after the Second World War, he made German locals go and help clean up the bodies? I think so, Joey. Uh, I, I think that is correct, wasn't yeah, it? I'm not. I'm sorry, what? Uh, Joseph was just saying that uh, wasn't it MacArthur who had the German people, uh, locals, to the camps actually going to help uh, clean up the, the bodies and such? Uh, I vaguely remember that. Was uh, recollection? MacArthur was in the Pacific. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sure I'm wrong about that. <laughs> was it uh, one of the one of the? Um... Um, let me um, let me check. Let me check. Okay. And uh, while you're looking that up, uh, Stephanie, like I said, um, the German spy that, uh, sorry, the British spy that I was referring to earlier, I will go ahead and I will have to uh, look his information up again, but I am fairly certain he actually smuggled out information about the concentration camps, and that was where he got back and British intel basically said, you're out of your fucking mind. Nobody would be doing something like that. Get the hell out of my office. Uh, again, I may be misremembering it, but I'm, I think I've got it right. I, I will look it up. I will find this guy, and I will put it in the show notes to, to link to it one I, way or the other, whichever one it is that I'm thinking of to think say yes or no. You're right. I, I, <clears throat> I think you're right. It's, that, it's still to be confirmed because um, I have no evidence for this myself, but it's to be checked. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, the, the camps weren't a widely known thing until towards the, the middle end of the war. Yeah, by the general populace, perhaps, but uh, mm. at the very least by... Uh, like I said, uh, British intel would have at the very least known. And like I said, if I'm remembering it correctly, they dismissed it out of hand because who in the fuck would ever do something like that? Yeah, I know. We've blown our PGR rating. Fuck, I don't care. It's, no. it's Deadpool how, 2. How many, how many times in history have they done that? I mean, the... the, the um, uh, what's it? Uh, Plock here? Um the Inquisition what? was the same thing. It was just a drive to basically eliminate all nonconformists. I mean, mm -hmm. anybody who questioned, or even anybody who thought. Well, shit. Risk. Let's 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 be fair. I mean, shit, the the Catholic Church excommunicates people for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mormon Church will. Uh, uh, oh shit! Uh, the the Jehovah's uh, Dallin, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, what the hell is uh, the shunning? The shunning. Yeah. And and you're 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 just out. I mean, every organization has got their thing, and when it's a near cult like a religion, you're cut off theoretically. You're cut off from everything, from your family to your friends I, to your job. Well, for exactly I, that reason. And I just said, if, if you look at it through the religious lens, okay. So you had the Inquisition. You had. 
you know, so many other uh, Christ, the Salem witch trials on a much smaller scale. My point Fair. being is that, that there is no difference. No, Between you're what right. Hitler wanted, and there's there's no lens. It's you're, exactly the same thing. You're right. The only difference is the perception of us in the West who talk about it, because we yeah. look at we look at the Nazi, the we look at the concentration camps, we look at Auschwitz and Dachau and all those other ones, and we are horrified yeah. at man's inhumanity to man. But how many people? when they first heard of the scale and the atrocities, how many of those good God fearing Christian people grab the cross around their neck as if, you know, God was going to shield their eyes from the horror, not realizing guys like Takumata or some of the uh, pulps that I've read about in, um, like I said, I've been doing some reading up on the Freemasons. And uh, not so much the Masons themselves, but some of the tortures and execution styles that are outlined in the book that were perpetrated by the church. But they don't even read their own Bible. I, I, I know, but I'm saying that these atrocities would make Heinrich Himmler look at it and go, you guys are fucked up. Yeah. Some yeah. of the invention that went into those devices. Oh, I, I know. You know, we can't cure cancer. But my God, can we find how many different ways to make a human scream? Yeah. Joey, I it know was, that you got your thing. Go ahead. It was General Eisenhower. And yeah, thank you. After, after he had witnessed uh, the conditions at, uh, at uh, Buchenwald, he put out an order that every soldier not at the immediate front uh, tour the camps in order to observe firsthand what had been inflicted on not only the Jews but the other prisoners. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to use that as uh, as uh, as uh, the final turn uh, to as we're getting to the uh, end of the whole damn thing. We've um, we've heard this day referred to typically quote-unquote officially as Armistice Day because it was the signing of the Armistice. And I know it was not the end of the war exactly. It was officially the conclusion. It was the end of, of hostilities. Uh, hostilities. And again, officially so. Behind the scenes, like we've been talking about, things... The Treaty, just... of, the treaty of Versailles would not be signed for some time yet. Right. And even after that, we know full well there was stuff bubbling under the under the hood up through, you know, into World War II and mm -hmm. maybe even beyond that, but that's a, that's a whole other thing. But for the Allies, it's Armistice Day. It's Veterans Day. It's, it's Memorial Day. It's Remembrance Day. Whatever terminology they want to use for it. But in Germany, it's not a... It's, it does not have the same gravitas. It is a national day of mourning, of reflection, of thinking back on it and knowing what happened and knowing that it should not happen again. And it's 
it's a form of personal shame on the part of the country as a whole to basically say, yeah, um, this shouldn't be happening again. This should not. And I, I have some amount of confidence that Germany for the easily foreseeable future would not be the antagonist of another such campaign because because of that because culturally the german people now culturally admittedly there are very few that were part of hostilities back from world war ii even i mean world war one is almost a, a a done if i remember right completely um but as a people they know they know a vast majority of what happened and what it caused the cost of it all and have decided nah man this this no not again this 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 should not happen again hmm. and that is a level of humility that very few countries societally seem to have Germany and Japan both were beaten down as part of the war. Admittedly, Italy was too, but you don't really talk about Italy very much, hmm. if if ever. Well, that's because Italy, uh, when they realized that the Germans were being pushed back and the the population themselves were just absolutely sick of the war, they overthrew Mussolini. Now look what they did to him. And oh, uh, yeah, they, they, they let their grievance be known in the streets. Yeah. And after that point, uh, Italy was in full support of the Allies. So, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting too because fascism, the philosophy that has become so synonymous with the Nazi. Uh, side, I believe, was actually coined by uh, Old Benito there. Mm -hmm. So it, it started there. Hitler went. He put in. I like it. it. Yeah, I, I, I like this. I, I like this, and ran with it. But um, but Dallin, it's existed in two thousand years of humanity. I mean, it's no just fair point. Fair different, point. different, different forms. I mean, you know, you mm -hmm. know you've got the. You've got the uh, designated enemy. You've got the imaginary enemy. Whatever, just uh, and yeah. you've got a non-questioning public, and really well, it comes down to that. Like Germany, you brought up Germany. You know how they look at the the first and second world war. There's a huge difference between. I I, th I really think Germany has learned from their lessons, but only because they hold their leaders accountable. Yeah. Now, uh, I think Germany is more of a democ democracy today than the U.S. is, because okay. its people are—they um, have a sense of civil duty. They don't. Feel, they don't. They don't depend. They hold their leaders accountable instead of just depending on them to, blindly. Yeah. To be fair, the German people have always had a sense of civil duty. Um, even 
going back into uh, medieval times, uh, the you're painting in very broad strokes. I, I am. I am. I am. Now, uh, to be fair, this sense of duty has not always been used for the best, and you know, our pre our two well discussed examples being the clear and obvious example of that but Do you know how many german clans there were i mean oh, yeah. france is just one of them the angles the there's they're, they're, germania they're all trying to off each other germania was not was used to refer to a region it was not it was not used to refer to a people that's that's no, it didn't a bit of history until the 19th it, century exactly but uh john of luxembourg the king of bohemia uh to be fair one of the later uh entries in the history of uh knights of medieval europe uh he had a banner which is now in use by the prince of wales and has been since uh i want to say the 14th century uh, he had a banner that read Ik din. I serve. He chose that because he didn't care what uh, what nation a person was from or what uh, what their creed was. His only care was that he living by the old chivalric code was there to serve people oh but to serve yeah it's a huge difference between serving your masters and serving i i yeah, the I greater good i'm sorry i get your point yeah uh as, as an aside by the way uh stephanie uh was asking me uh have you checked out german politics recently shushin no I will admit, no, I have not. However, from what I have come to understand, culturally speaking, of Germany as a people, there tends to be much more. How do I how do I best put this? From what I've understood, there tends to be much more. Um, acceptance and uh, again I'm, I'm probably not wording this out correctly but uh, of of basically blowing off the idea that germany would do something like that again because why why would we need to we don't need to i'm i'm i don't know what what the right terminology would be for something an attitude of that description belligerent um, and they know that this doesn't happen overnight. I mean, look at I. You can see I can see I watch from over here the United States creeping towards um, a new, almost a totalitarian state of mind, not a totalitarian totalitarian state. Uh, if I don't want to advertise for another podcast, but if you've listened to um, the latest um, Radio Lab which is really good. It's about um, the state of democracy in the world. You should really give a listen to that to see where the U.S. is comparison in, in comparison with other countries. But you're right, Shushan. Um, 
throughout throughout the better part of the last century, uh, everyone has viewed uh, Germany as a belligerent force. I mean, hell, I can't even remember which comedian it was that made the joke, but you know, they were talking prior to the uh, Afghanistan invasion about how you know. Oh, the lead, you know, the world's coming into an end because the lead golfer is black. The, uh, the lead rapper is white and Germany doesn't want to go to war. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Stephanie, I, I, I put it to you. And as a matter of fact, I, I kind of put it to all of you to kind of think about and not necessarily the panel to discuss because we're kind of coming up on the end of it all, but in seriousness with the current climate, who would you be more worried going to war for war's sake these days? Germany or really any country affiliated, if not necessarily with the EU versus the United States of America currently? United States is already doing it. I, uh, yeah. Uh, to the okay, I, I I may be wrong on this one, but to the best of my knowledge, currently, the United States does not have a formal declaration of war in any particular uh, in any particular theater. Yeah, but just how you describe something, you know, just because you describe something in a certain way doesn't mean they're not doing it. I mean, I I, you know, I, I know slavery still exists. We just don't call it slavery anymore. That seems to work for most of the population, but these are the kind of things we should question. Like uh, how many, how many, yeah, look at, look at uh, U.S. presence in the world and look at U.S. Um, business, like economics, uh, commerce, countries where they have interests and compare those to military bases and all that, you know. Oh, it's not entirely wrong about some of the stuff still being around, just being renamed. I mean, if you look at it, like, debtor's prison became something that was illegal but we actually have laws that say hey you know if you're a parent who's supposed to be paying child support you're not paying child support we're gonna lock you up until you start paying child support wait what that's debtor's prison it's just for one particular thing but it's still desert does uh debtor's prison hmm. fortuna all over again See, uh, my, my folks used to tell me something as a kid when I used to point out differences in people's attire. Because to me, it was interesting, you know, that, you know, had certain age groups dressing one way, other age groups dressing another. And uh, it came from my mother. And she said, fashion is a pendulum. It will swing one way. And if you give it enough time, it will come right back again. And everything that is old will now be new. And then I'll do it again, and it'll just keep going back and forth. All the old stuff becomes new, and it just goes over and over and over again. And it doesn't... By the pro propeller heads. Have a listen to that. And it's not just fashion. It's politics. It's everything in your daily life. Things repeat. Because our individual bubble only lasts so long, we die. I... And forget... You know, well, just... I, I don't know if I would call it forgetting, but I think there's 
a myopia. I, I've said this before, the myopia of the masses. It's not my experience. That's all. Well, I mean, like, yeah, we, we, that's, that's why I ask about your personal experience. Like why, 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 how does world war one affect you? Because you can't possibly know what it was like to be somebody no, there at the time. You're and absolutely right in the context and like being surrounded by propaganda and even like that. I mean, we can't even fathom and, that. And that's why I, I personally have a huge problem when I hear people on the political left start screaming Nazi. Yeah. 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 It ruins it for it. Real. It ruins the real well, no, definition. Yeah. It's just these, these kids. And I will say kids, I don't care if you are older than me and you are just a talking head for your political, for your political side. If you're going to use that word against someone my age or younger, buddy, you better have photographs, videos, and a sworn statement saying that this guy is part of the I love Adolf Hitler fan club. Otherwise, you, sir, madam, whatever, are out of with line. The, with the same political power. But as but as far as these kids are, you know, are concerned, it's just it's like when they say Nazi, it's like howling. It's just like a noise that gets a reaction. <laughs> it's nothing more than that. I think of um I think of uh, was what was his name um, Mbaku from the Jabari tribe in uh, Black Panther oh. when uh, when okay. what's his name the, the CIA guy was trying to speak and all they kept doing was ooh 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 basically shouting him down it's the same thing yeah you know these guys are just howling and screaming and saying oh th this guy's a Nazi he has Nazi ideologies prove it. We we could have show, show me where he wears the armband. Show me where he pledges allegiance that's to the ideology. That kind of of course it is. Of course it is. And that's the whole problem, actually. Exactly. We could have a talk about this. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if they if they want to, uh, the scary thing about that is, it's like if they want to continue to poke the stick at what has been thus far, I'd say a relatively nonviolent response i would say in certain circles um what's going to happen when someone claims stand your ground let that sink in folks because you, you keep screaming you keep swinging you keep yelling and and falsely accusing people of this or, or blowing it out of proportion someday somebody is going to react and i think on that day, I'd say break out the popcorn because shit is going to burn. Yeah, these kind of people, I think, tend to... I don't think they'll... I think they'll quell the name-calling in uh, situations where there's a real threat because avoiding threats seems to be what these people are all about. Well, all I'm saying is that they'll, they'll yell and scream all they want until they cross the one guy who's willing to... Yeah, I not, see your point. Who's not going <laughs> to so, take it, you know? And, and that's what I said, stand your ground. That's a law in some U u.s states where if someone comes onto your property and you perceive it as a threat and you own a gun you can take them out and not and theoretically not face criminal charges i believe that's the well that's the abridged version of, of the law castle law yeah but i i think in some states it's called stand your ground yeah it's a variation of the castle uh we're mm -hmm. getting pretty close on to uh finishing up over here yeah. so uh let me go ahead and see if uh 
anybody who's got uh, anything else and uh stephanie i'm going to be coming to your thing as uh, as part of my closing for you to uh kind of wrap that all together so um Dallin and uh, Joe, so you guys have uh, you guys have had a lot to to discuss at the moment. So, uh, whatever it is that you guys are going to close with, I'm going to I'm going to hit you guys at the end. So, mm-hmm. want to try to keep it a little bit brief. I have nothing but... to add, uh, really. Okay, just, well, that's just, just thanks for having me on. Shit, that makes that part easy. Okay, yeah. uh, Tech, um, what last piece do you want to you know, finish off on at this point? The um... We need to evolve as a species. We need to evolve a better sense, a better emotion, a more mature emotional level so that we can handle the technology, the problems, the very, the very, come on guys. Joseph. Give yeah. him the chance to say his piece. Please just don't interrupt. Thank <laughs> the, you. The the um, various things of our time that we're not mature enough to handle right now, that we've demonstrated that we're not mature enough. And it comes down to emotional maturity, logic and reasoning, and acknowledging that we each are yes we each are unique but we all have many things in common and we need to treat each other more humanely unfortunately we have a lot of people out there that are don't care all right before i go on over to uh to joey joseph um my apologies i came off a little bit later than i intended to that was that was I'm supposed to be that. a background whisper, nothing more. It was loud enough to be distracted to him. And okay, sorry. So apologies, my apologies, and mine for being a little louder than I anticipated. But sorry, Joey. Anything that you wanted to finalize out with? There had been something that I had recently been uh, researching, and I wish I could remember his name at this point. But there was. Technically not a German king because there was no Germany at the time, but um, among the various kingdoms that occupy modern-day Germany, there was a king who uh, was who I only know I can only remember his nicknames the the father of the uh, Landknechts or something of that sort and the last of the knights. He was one of the individuals who uh, who was a major proponent for the use of gunpowder in Europe, and which, of course, ended the Age of the Knights. But uh, there was something that he did that stood out to me. Uh, during a time where they had been having a dispute with France, he posed the offer of... Uh, dueling the king of France rather than have the two countries go to war. And to the, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. Um, but, you know, what a concept, eh? 
There's something to be said for that. Dallin, anything that uh, you want to drop out? Maybe just one last anecdote, if that's okay. Sure. We demonize anyone who wears the the swastika today. Um, But on the last day of the Nazi occupation in Norway, my mother was, she was a teenager and she was out one day on the last day and she sees a soldier garbed in obviously a Nazi military uniform, not SS. He was a rank and file and he was skipping down the street, a young guy, you know, and for a guy to skip, uh, think, think about this, the forties, things are a lot different, you know, but he was skipping, clicking his heels, um, and almost cheering. And so she's, you know, goes up to him, you know, um, you know, V gets what, what's going on. I get to go home. He said, the war is over. I finally get to go home. And it showed her that this was not a monster that had invaded and occupied. These were people directed by probably a monster, but there was a good chance. A lot of them didn't want to be there as much as they didn't want them there. And I think that's, that's important is that now, again, I can't speak for modern day warfare because I'm, I'm separated from it. I don't have that same kind of personal connection that I did with world war two. So I couldn't tell you if an Iraqi soldier um, would act the same or if they are completely batshit crazy and, you know, weren't planning to go home. I don't know. But for a concept that still resonates terror with us and you know, just looking at that symbol, we know what it evokes in people. It's it's an emotional response that is so powerful. To know that behind some of it, there was at least some humanity. And I think that's, and this dovetails a bit onto what, what Tech had said about the generals, the leaders, that Ultimately, they're the ones that are making the war. The soldiers are just, the, they are just the tools. They are the implementation of it. And when it's all said and done, when, it, when it's over, when the shooting stops and it's time to not fight, we have to understand that these were human beings we have made war on. These are people that share our genetic code. We, we are... <laughs> We fight amongst ourselves. We destroy ourselves thinking we're destroying something that's different, but it's not. 
you know, there was a, there was a campaign years ago, uh, put up by veterans and it was called never again. And, uh, they would always run their commercials around this time of year where veterans wanted to raise awareness of just how horrific war can be, how hellish it is, how terrible and, and as I said before, this this action does not exactly bring up the best of humanity. I, don't, I, I think everybody can agree with me on that. And I think we have to stop beating the war drums constantly. And we have to stop electing leaders who get by on how bombastic they are and how uh, rebellious, rebellious, rebelliously... I've had a I've had a bottle of wine here. Shut up. Um, we we should not be electing people who are charismatic and controversial. We can should, I? Can, yeah. Can I, can I just add to that? Just one mm -hmm. thing. I'd I'd like to see that um the people who I'd, I'd like to see an end to the state of mind that enables that kind of thing. Yeah. Me too. It, populism should be, it shouldn't exist. Uh, well, like, if okay, it, no, if it's popular for a rational reason, but if thank it's you. popular, be, be, you know, rational popularity, is that a new term? My, my, my alcohol addled mind thanks you for the quick save. No. <laughs> but, no, um, I'm one generation removed from one of the two most tragic wars in human history. And I don't know if it consumed my parents. I mean, they did their best to raise five kids and I think they did pretty damn good. Which means, you know, we can do better and we must do better. And we have to stop. We have to stop thinking with the gun, the cross, or whatever holy symbol first. Whatever brandish status. Yeah, we, we have to no, we have to stop thinking about what we're going to brandish in front of that which we don't understand. And simply present ourselves as human beings. Hmm. And we're not there yet. We're trying. But damned if things are not just throwing one obstacle after another in front of us. You know, just when we think we've made a step forward, something pops up and knocks us two steps back. But we have to keep move. We, we have to keep going because if we keep going the way we are, um, I fear for the next generation. I fear for the next two generations. Rinse and repeat. Unfortunately, I think that's what inevitably is going to happen. I'm not sure. I don't know if, if we are at a place where we can break the cycle. I'd like to think we are, but better. with our technology, how it's evolved, we better hurry up. Agreed. Okay. I've, I've said too much. I've said way too much. I'm sorry. And I added too much. Okay. So let me just uh, let me just close it out with this. Stephanie had uh, called me out on a piece. 
from what I was saying before, what is formally declared when I was talking about formally declared war is irrelevant. Admittedly. But I was trying to point out that formal declared war is fortunately not something that is currently happening. That is good. The fact that there are all of these little, for lack of a better word for it, police action type locations, peacekeeping forces, and whatever other little bits and bobs you want to call it, that's bad. That is that is a bad, and I will admit it. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't not. Because, well, let's face it, any anytime there are people dying for no other reason other than you're different and you've got different resources that I want, regardless of what they are, material or otherwise. That's 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 a bad. But there is uh, there is a line from a movie, and I never really put it into the context of what we were discussing earlier with warfare, where you know groups, larger and larger groups, are incredibly monstrous in what they will do. Where you get down to the individuals, it's like the the football game across the no man's zone in France for Christmas in the middle of World War One, where both sides just basically said, you know what? We're going to fight not with hand grenades or bullets. We're going to fight with yelling at the top of our lungs and singing Christmas songs until we drown you out because we can. You, well, you, we'll sing louder than you. You guys, only to finally have them pull out a football and play in the no man's zone and trade chocolate and pictures and just and schnapps. And the schnapps. Let's not forget the schnapps. Schnapps. But putting that now into perspective for myself, I can't believe that I'm going to yet again quote Agent K. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Wow, man. You take that one step away from just society at large and transfer it over to warfare. An individual is caring and doesn't want to hurt somebody that isn't looking to hurt them. We don't want other people's shit by default. People have to make us want it. But my point is we we individual people are the ones that make all the difference. Every single person is another link 
is another piece of movement. We have the opportunity every day to do the right thing. Sometimes it's harder than others. And we, lay people, we may not be in the military or in politics, but we can make the difference to make sure that we teach. And sometimes that's all that you can do. Sometimes that's all that you have to do. So we do our part here. And we respect the memory. And we honor the sacrifice of those who came before us. And continue to hope that maybe, just maybe, actual warfare can actually just be a thing of the past once and for all. Even if that day is not going to be today. As always, everyone, thank you very much for being with us tonight. We hope that you found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives and uh, found something worthwhile to think about for yourselves at this point. I want to very specifically thank um, Stephanie. Uh, I know that you're the only one that has been chiming in tonight. And thank you for doing that, of course. Um, I know full well that you've kind of challenged me on a couple of different pieces. And thank you for that. I don't ever want you to think that I don't appreciate that. Or anyone else that's listening also. You know, honest discussion is a good thing. And call me out. If I'm wrong, I'll take that. And I'll own that. And never, I'll correct that. Never condemn questioning. No. Exactly right. And that's that's the whole damn reason why we got this the way that it is. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I have to find for the... Uh, show notes and possibly to correct myself on a couple of pieces so let me go ahead and get us on out of here so i can see about doing that joseph thank you very much for your time you have yourself a good morning and uh um enjoy the new uh timetable because of you know daylight savings and all that happy horse shit now i, th I think we're synced again sure i'll take that but i think well by looking at my clock. Uh, two weeks ago, yeah, I had to wake up at a hell of a shower. But I think we're fine. We're finally aligned. Fair enough. Thank you for your time, man. You had yeah, yourself thanks, good. man. On Renault Tech, uh, you take good care of yourself. Uh, enjoy your uh, your pussy party out there. Do I get to go to sleep now? Yes. Yes, you do. Knowing full well that uh, some of the elections are not quite done yet, so you might have more Democrats coming into town. Maybe we'll see what happens and what stunts are pulled. Yeah, true that. But you have yourself a good rest, man. Thank you. Joey, also, thank you very much for your time. You, uh, Thanks for being awake enough. I appreciate it. It's rare these days. No, I know. I know. See, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing him because he, he, was, he started off before we came on the air quite tired and woken up quite a bit. So thank you for your time, man. That's what I do. And Dallin, of course, thank you for your time, man. I really do appreciate it. You you have yourself a good sleep. I plan to. Um, and uh, if you guys saw me 
kind of gazing not at the camera tonight. <laughs> I was actually hard at work uh, updating the website. Uh, it is now up to date up as of uh, today. So uh, that's over at Holy Clap. The, holy crap. <laughs> See this? This is full when I started. Okay, everybody. Empty. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I just broke a, like laughing. <laughs> holy yes. clap. Okay. Holy, holy clap, clap the broadcast. <laughs> holy clap the vlogcast. Everything you needed to know about syphilis. Yes. Okay, look. Domain <laughs> domain listing number two. Better holy reserve it. The vlogcast.com. I'm sure it's taken already. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So um, that's the podcast version where everything is audio. And as I said, everything is up to date as of last week's episode. So I said I was going to do it. I finally did it. And yeah, my uh, my computer can rest a little bit easier knowing that all that shit's done now. So, Thank um, you, man. And if, uh, if I decide to work with this uh, current drunk state and maybe blather a few things out that uh, we wouldn't cover on the show... Uh, you can catch that over at inthewind.yo5.ca. Thank you, man. I really do appreciate it. I really, really do. Mm. And you can tell how much I appreciate it because I have not called you our audio bitch this whole entire night. So there you go. Well, I'll be getting back into being my own audio bitch here, hopefully tomorrow. Um, I got a three-day weekend because of uh, uh, because of what we call Remembrance Day. Yes, it's tomorrow, but the company that I work for decided to give us Monday off. Oh, one other thing. Yep. Tomorrow night from uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Mountain Time, I am going to be doing a Remembrance Day-themed show in Second Life as a DJ. Um, be playing, you know, the occasion, like mostly war-themed music, throwing a couple of anecdotes out there. This is something I do every year if my scheduled time rolls around this particular day. Um, it's not much, but it's what I do. So, okay. Uh, you've got a, uh, uh, you're going to put out the word on uh, a Twitter account, perhaps, or something? Uh, it'll be on Twitter. It'll be on, um, I might do it on Facebook. We'll see if I remember. But uh, yeah, definitely on Twitter. Okay. So. And I'll provide a link to the Shoutcast stream so that you don't necessarily have to be in Second Life to listen, uh, but you can always catch it uh, remotely. Fair enough, man. Thank you. So as mentioned, of course, yes, you can uh, head on over to Holy Clap the Flawed I don't know how to say it. This is a Holy Crap. Drunk enough, boy. And when I'm on it, you can call it Holy Clap the Frogcast. We'll do, you know, we'll we'll start doing that. We'll we'll make t-shirts and sell those and run it from there. We really don't need to be discussing syphilitic amphibians, okay? I don't, I, I can't believe that you actually pronounced that the right the first time. Well done. That's actually very good. Anyway, as always, thank you guys. Um, if you'd like to go ahead and get the audio version of the podcast, the link is over at holycrapthevlogcast.com. Is is all of our contact information. If you'd like to send voicemail, phone number is 859-HCTV-554, 859-4288-554. I would really like to get actual voicemail instead of, you know, robocalls. 
for election day. Thank uh, you. I, I actually got that. I, I, I decided I, I had enough of my phone rings. So I picked up and a human being, uh, after the Whoa. brief si uh, after a brief silence, because you know it was it was robo dialed is what it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they said, "Hi, we're doing a quick survey of a single question." I said, "Okay, forty-two, and I hung up. <laughs> it may not be the answer to the question that they had, but it was an answer. Yes, yes, it was. So. Somehow or other, I don't think that they have a spot for uh, asshole on their uh, plug sheet. But sure, yeah, whatever. We'll go from there. Uh, I identify as a cat. They could just yeah. write it in. Yeah, we'll just we'll just write it in. Um, all of our contact information is over there at the website. Uh, if you would like to drop us uh, a couple of dollars to help offray some of the costs for maintaining the uh, the domain information, that's of course over at Patreon.com/slash HCTV. Other than that, um, I think we're good. For those of you that are current military or past military, thank you. Thank you for your service. And know that you are valued members of society whether whatever administration you've worked under admits it or not, or shows it or not, you are respectable people for the most part. There are a couple of you that are assholes. I'm thinking of tail hook. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm bringing up shit Press from it. way back when. Yeah, that's that you were not part of the tail hook investigations, but anyway, different division entirely. But even so, just thank you. In the meantime, we'll see you all again next week, minimally. Until that point, as always, I wish you all the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. And of course, my lady, 13 plus years on, I am still in love. Matane Fujin. I love you. I miss you. Dream with me. Till the next time we get together, everyone, as always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening. <laughs>